taking notes, if the Pelicans want to have success in the postseason next year, they need to learn these valuable lessons from some playoff teams, the Kings, the Clippers, and the Bucks. It's Monday episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Monday, we got a great week's worth of shows coming to you here on Locked On Pelicans. And if you're an everydayer, thanks for tuning in. We're going to be covering a whole lot more this week, so make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. If you want to support the channel, best thing to do, become an everydayer. Listen Monday through Friday because no one else comes to you like this completely free five days a week. And comment down below on YouTube. I'm going to give you three lessons from playoff teams in today's show. The Kings, the Clippers, and the Bucks in that order and what the Pelicans need to learn from all three of those teams. I almost had a bonus one in here. Here, I'll give you the bonus one first. It's it's the Minnesota Timberwolves, and it's don't trade for Carl Anthony Towns. But I want to look at these three teams in particular because I think there are things really to take away. And some of these overlap a little bit. But if the Pelicans want to have more success next year, these are the three things I really think that you need to look at in this postseason and are going to be important for them. So let me know which of the three you think is the biggest one down below. So let's start with the Sacramento Kings, who just lost to the Golden State Warriors in Game 7. They were the home team after a real rough third quarter. You know, when you looked at them, and I've watched them a lot this season because they've been really fun, and I was rooting for a small market Sacramento team to do well in the postseason, and they they did, and they're, they're going to kind of come up in the next segment too, both in good and bad here. They Did they look like themselves in that second half to you, if you've watched them a lot, because I didn't see the Kings team that we had seen all year long. They they went away from a lot of what they did and kind of changed things up in a pivotal game. So this leads to the first lesson. Find what you do well and stick with it. And this applies to the Pelicans in two ways. And first, let's use the Kings as an example. Look, they launch threes from all over. They take threes, let other dudes take threes, and they kind of do their thing with De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. And they went away from a lot of that in that second quarter. They also tried to overthink it and introduce new guys. Terrence Davis, who had played in just three games in this series, played over 20 minutes in game seven. Now, he, he actually shot well. He was like four of seven from three, 14 points. But why are you introducing a guy like that when maybe you need to play a big man like Alex Len when you had a quarter where you gave up 13 offensive rebounds and that's where they lost the game. This applies to the Pelicans, as I just said, in two ways. You know, the Pelicans didn't really know what they did well offensively, especially in the half court. They knew what to do in transition, defense forces turnovers, they get out and run. But in the half court, what was the identity, right? They didn't really know that, so they couldn't really stick to what worked. And that led you to the postseason, the play-in tournament game against the Thunder, where Willie Green just went away from any of the things that had actually worked at times, and it didn't go well. 
why was Kyra Lewis Jr. getting first half minutes in a do or die game when he hadn't really played for a month, two months? What is Terrence Davis doing in that game for the Kings? So, someone tell me. Now, he made a shot, so on the surface it looks okay, but you could see they were just out of a rhythm, playing some combinations that hadn't gotten extensive run with each other. So when they couldn't make a shot, when they had dry spells, and everyone was just kind of standing around with Sabonis having the ball 17 feet from the basket, they weren't able to do anything. That reminded me a lot of the Pelicans there. The Kings just needed to be themselves. And they really weren't able to do that. And I think it cost them that game in that series. Now, I don't think they would have won necessarily anyway. But when you look at that, it could have been closer than it was. And it took Steph Curry and his heroics. And we'll touch on that in the next segment when we talk about a lesson learned from the Clippers. But they lost by 20. That game should have been way closer than it was. Way closer than it was. Steph was ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. But the Kings could have won that game. It was a close first half. And then they just went away from what they did. And I don't love that. And that's a big part of overthinking it. And sometimes a coach can be good in one game and then the next game struggle. And that's even going to tie into the next segment too. The next segment is, I guess, a key one is what I'm trying to say. But you've got to figure out what your identity is and then kind of play to your strengths. What are your strengths in the half court? What are your strengths with the current crop of guys that you have in the roster? And try and get that out. And that's something that the Pelicans were never really able to do. Part of that comes down to not having Zion and BI and the lack of availability. But you had BI to close out the season. And at times the offense still struggled, at times it didn't, but at times it did. And I still wouldn't say there was a huge offensive identity there other than give the ball to Brain and Ingram and I don't know, let's see what happens. And B.I.'s good. Good things can happen from that. But they needed to kind of drill that down and drill down to that and figure that out more and then lean on that heavily. And that's not what they did. And it's why the Pelicans lost that game to Minnesota at the end of the year when they collapsed in the second half. And it's why they struggled in the second half against the Oklahoma City Thunder too and didn't end up making the postseason whatsoever, leading us to label this season as a failure, a disappointment, which is going to come full circle when we talk about Giannis's comments after the Bucs were eliminated. That's going to be in the third segment. But really, if they had B.I., if they had Zion, I don't think the offense was great then either. It was, it was good because you had good players. And that's really important. But when you lose those guys, you're not going to win very many games, nor would any team. Just as the Los Angeles Clippers also struggled without their two-star players in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And so that leads to the second lesson. And this one is very simple, and I'll let you know what that is, what we learned from the Los Angeles Clippers, coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy, and right now they've got a $1 million daily super flex going on. Every day of the NBA playoffs and the finals, one Prize Pick user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will randomly be selected each day. 
and whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts. You get all six correct, it's a million dollars. You get five correct, $80,000. Four correct, $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. And once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You see the number, you pick above it, below it. And you're not playing against other players. It's just you. It's super simple. It's a lot of fun. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks is going to give you $100. Don't forget, enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. No one else comes to you like this with the type of insight you want to hear. Looking at the NBA playoffs and seeing how things apply to this Pelicans team. You're a Pelicans fan. Everything I do here is going to relate to the team that you care about the most. I don't just come on here and talk randomly about the NBA playoffs. I could. I would like to do that. But I have Locked On NBA to do that. Here, we're talking Pelicans and why it matters. No one else comes to you like this completely free. Support the channel by becoming an everydayer. And tomorrow, we're probably going to look more in depth on this segment, load management. It's an interesting question. That's coming up in tomorrow's episode of Locked On Pelicans. And you can also support the channel by commenting down below on YouTube. So that leads us, and I kind of spoiled it right there, into our second lesson learned. And this one comes from the Los Angeles Clippers. And this one is simple. It comes down to star players. It comes down to star players, and in particular, those star players being available. The Clippers lost to the Phoenix Suns. Are you surprised? I'm not. No Paul George. Kawhi Leonard barely played, ended up with a big injury there, and they lose. And that team, the Clippers, has just never had their guys available. And so they've never made noise in the postseason whatsoever. We don't need to look at that series and think anything else because, frankly, the Phoenix Suns in that series looked very beatable. Very beatable. And then Denver smoked them in game one. And you could see that. And yet, they kind of romped through their first-round playoff series to an extent because there was no Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. There's nothing to read from the Suns in that. So, it comes down to that, right? Ty Lue, the Clippers coach, after the series said, yeah, we didn't have Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. Like, what are we supposed to do? This Pelicans team to win 42 games, go 42 and 40 without Zion and B.I. and them only playing 10 games together and the amount of games that they missed. Zion playing just 29 games, B.I. barely playing more than half the season. Pretty freaking good, in my opinion, to be perfectly honest. Doesn't mean the season's not a failure or what you wanted. More on that in the third segment. But it comes down to star players. It's really as simple as that. Look at the Clippers in that series. Their role players did really well. They did really well. And the day after they lost, I was on Locked On NBA. It was last Tuesday. I was on, I'm on there every Wednesday. You should give Locked On NBA a listen. And I asked Andy Kamenetsky, host of Locked On Lakers, who was my co-host that day, is this a silver linings win for the Clippers? Like, should they feel good after this series? Because their role players did so well, and those guys would work really well around Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And he said, no, it doesn't matter, right? They built a team that supports those guys, and so what if those players don't play? 
it's a very valid point. I was ready to be like, man, I don't know. I like what they're doing there. If they just got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together, uh, my hair won't stay up on the show and it's annoying me. They, you know, they could be good. And he's like, yeah, but are they ever going to be healthy? And you take a moment to pause and you're like, oh yeah, that's kind of a thing. And they need to be healthy, healthy. And then I'm just like, oh God, the Pelicans. You know, same for the Kings and the Golden State Warriors in that game seven. Uh, Sabonis kind of struggled in that game. Didn't love what we saw from him in the second half and the Kings struggled. And then you get Steph Curry going for 50. Stars are what wins you games. We don't need to overthink this. We can talk about rotations, strategy, offensive identity. Uh, None of that matters if you don't have star players playing. Like none of that matters. If you're missing your top two, three guys, it doesn't matter. That's why you also look at the Memphis Grizzlies and go, y'all lost and they have their three best players available for this whole series, even though they're missing Steven Adams. What do you think is important for them? But come on. In six, not seven games. Don't love that for them. Happy for the Pelicans because of that, but don't love that for the Memphis Grizzlies and the amount of trash that they were talking. So your star players matter. And if they're stars, they need to play and they need to show up. And if they don't, you're going to lose games. Look, I'm not breaking news here for you. And I know I'm supposed to sound like this big, important pontificator up here, giving you insight and all that. And coaching matters. Rotations matter. Role player matters. Scheme and things like that matter. It's all moot if you don't have Zion playing. It's all moot if you don't have Brandon Ingram playing and him missing 29 straight games. That is why in the immediate aftermath of the Pelicans season, we did the recap show from that game. I called the season a failure on three levels. And then that next Monday, the first show basically of the off season, maybe it was Friday, I forget what day it was. It was, here's the one thing the Pelicans need to do this season, off season. And it was make sure that Brain Ingram and Zion Williamson are on the court. And the Kings show you that. This was kind of prompted by a question from Brett Telford at GoGo Ingram on Twitter. And I liked this one of, you know, do the Pelicans need to start looking at load management when it comes to Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson to get them close to 65 games each. And we'll go into this more in depth tomorrow. So if you're an everydayer, we're talking load management and the Pelicans tomorrow because I have some insight on that that I want to share with y'all. I think particularly the way that that question is phrased, I find interesting and I think it misses the larger picture. And Brett, that's not a shot at you. And I'll explain on tomorrow's show. But the lesson learned from the Clippers this year Star players matter. Simple as that. Get Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson on the court and you will win games and you will make noise in the postseason. Get them playing well because that's what they do. You win games. Steph Curry is a great example of that. 50 in a closeout game on the road. That team can't win on the road at all and they just did and he did that. It's impressive. This is going to be a theme this offseason. Star players matter. Keep them healthy. Simple as that. What's not simple is how you evaluate a season. Failures, successes, disappointments, not whatever the opposite of disappointments is. I actually can't even think of that off the top of my head. I want to look at that and what Giannis said after the season-ending loss to the Miami Heat because I found that pretty interesting. And then the kind of discourse around it, which we're not going to get into all of that, I found pretty interesting as well. So... Let's talk about that and how it relates to the Pelicans 
this offseason and going forward coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. No one else comes to you like this with the insight you want to hear. There's no hot takes or anything like that. Just Pelicans insight. We'll look at free agency, the draft, trade targets. We've done cursory stuff with that too. We're not going to just blather on. Here's why they're trading for Luka Doncic when they're not. We'll do that when it's slow and you don't need important information right now. We're not still unpacking the entirety of the season we had. So every day is tomorrow, load management when it comes to the Pelicans. And if you want to support the channel, give it a listen and comment down below on YouTube. Those are the two biggest things that you can do. So today we're looking at lessons learned from teams in the postseason. Clippers, Kings, Clippers, and now the Bucks. And if you've got another lesson learned, maybe you've been watching. I hope you've been watching. The postseason's actually been really fun. Let me know what it is down below. An addendum to that last segment, by the way, um, Jamal Murray lighting up the Phoenix Suns in the first round. We, we knock on Jokic a lot for not having postseason success when he's not going to win MVP. It's going to be Joel Embiid. When there was talk, when it looked like he was a lock to win his third straight MVP, and everyone's like, but he doesn't have the postseason success, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, he hasn't had a healthy team in years to be able to have that. And the second he does, oh, yeah, they beat the Phoenix Suns pretty handily in game one. Jamal Murray looked awesome in that one. So goes to show you star players, those guys matter. And for them, Jamal Murray is a star player. If you want an interesting story about Jamal Murray, I have one. This is an inside story that I told on Locked on Pelicans. It was during the pandemic, I believe. And maybe if someone asks me on Twitter, I'll try and find the link. It was before it was on YouTube. So I only have this in audio form and maybe I'll upload it to YouTube. And it was why the Pelicans passed on drafting Jamal Murray. They took, he went seven. The Pelicans took Buddy Heald at six. And there was something that happened in his workout, his pre-draft workout with the Pelicans as to why they passed on Jamal Murray and went with Buddy Heald. One specific thing that shouldn't have happened. Go give that episode. Just search for it. Just search Locked on Pelicans Jamal Murray. It'll be the first thing that comes up in Google. It's a really interesting show. That's the type of analysis and insight you get here. The inside scoop on things. That's why you should subscribe and become an everyday. Giannis and the Bucks showed us that there is a process and steps towards an ultimate goal. And Giannis, I think, stopped short of giving an even better... I liked his answer. He was asked at the end of the season, you know, right after they, the one seed in the East, and by the way, the top seed overall in the NBA, they had the best record in the NBA with 58 wins... We consider this season a disappointment because they lost to the Miami Heat in kind of epic fashion, by the way, losing in game six, game five, ugh, when they blew a fourth quarter, a big time fourth quarter lead and asked if this season was a failure. And he was a little upset, not upset with that answer. I think it was also the moment. And I do think that binary question, yes, no, is actually a very fair question to ask right there. He basically said like, no, it's not. One team's going to win. So does that mean there's 29 failures every year, right? You know, you try and get a raise. If you don't get a raise every year in your own job as a reporter, as a beat writer, does it mean it was a failure? And, you know, you put money, you earned your money, you put food on the table for your family. You know, if you're doing that, is it a failure? And Giannis is an interesting person to kind of give that insight to, right? Poor kid from Greece that grew up like, not on the street exactly, but not from like a privileged background at all. 
and had to work hard for everything he has. And he's openly said, like, he's so terrified of losing this life that he's built and everything he's worked hard for that he's going to go out and do the very best that he can. So maybe for him, success isn't defined by do the Bucks win a title or not. He's cementing his legacy. He's providing for his family. He's being the best player that he can, and he's working hard. And it's more than just one player on a team. So I, I like his answer for that. It gives you kind of insight into who he is as a person and makes him very likable. But when you look at it in context of the team, the Bucks were at the best record in the NBA. They lost to an eighth seed Miami Heat team. I'm sorry. That needs to be a failure. The Miami Heat were 44 and 38. They had 14 fewer wins than the Bucks did. The Bucks this season had higher expectations than 25 other teams in the NBA. It was going to be a disappointment for them if they didn't make the NBA Finals, if they didn't win the NBA Finals. We can walk back a step and just simply say, make the NBA Finals. You look at a team like, I'm trying to pick one out here, the Kings. Let's use the Kings. Third seed just lost. They were upset, three versus six. I don't look at this season a failure for them because this was a solid step in the right direction. And their process this year, their goal this year wasn't to win a title. Not every team has the same expectations as one another. The Bucs were to win a title or at least make the finals or the conference finals. Whatever it was, it's not losing in the first round to the eighth seed. Whereas the Sacramento Kings probably would have been very happy simply making it to the second round and then losing. For a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder to get as close as they did when we thought of them as a tanking team and not a very good team, I think shows their season was a success and not a failure. For the Bucs, it was. It doesn't mean there's not lessons to be learned and takeaways to have in there, right? It's not a complete and object failure where you need to fire everyone if you learn some things from it. And if you did that, then there's also learning experiences. That's what the way I look at it for the Kings, for the... You know, the Kings we just talked about in the first segment for the Oklahoma City Thunder too. The Pelicans, I view the season as a failure because you had a chance to make the playoffs and you didn't. You didn't beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. I also think it's a good season for them given the injuries to have won 42 games. Those things are not mutually exclusive. So it is worth recognizing the successes and the steps towards a championship in your ultimate goal, whatever that ultimate goal might be, let's call it winning a title for every team. Let's also call it maybe for the Pelicans getting to the second round, advancing out of round one next season, which is probably what the goal is going to be. So if the, those were the expectations for the Bucs, you wouldn't be being like, oh my God, the Bucs. But that wasn't. These Those expectations matter. And that's why when I see people put unrealistic expectations or refuse to change expectations, I'm not going to tell you what to think or what you want. But if you went into this post year for the Pels being like title or bust, it's a little unrealistic and you're probably going to be disappointed. And that's on you if you want to go that route. I didn't view it as such. You know, when people were upset that Zion wasn't playing, these people created their expectations that he was going to play when nothing was really hinting at that after he had that setback. So you get that and it just kind of is what it is. And you've got to realize that realistic expectations for each team is important. But for top teams, yeah, it's definitely winning a title. But there's lessons to be learned. For the Pelicans, it was Trey Murphy's good. 
Trey Murphy is good. They also saw how to use Herb Jones a little bit better as the season went on. That's important. The lesson also simply might be, hey, we're a good team when Zion, Brandon Ingram, and CJ all play, and we were first in the West. You've got to make sure you lose, learn those lessons even when the season is a failure or a disappointment. Learn those lessons. Apply those lessons next year. Maybe for the Pelicans, it's don't completely blow up the roster. There will be a show of why they're not trading CJ McCollum. A lot of y'all asked that when I put out a call for, what do you want to hear on the show? And it was like, CJ trade options. And it's like, hold on, because that's not going to happen. And I'll explain why in a future show, probably later this week. That'll probably be on Wednesday. We're doing load management tomorrow. We can do CJ on Wednesday. So, yeah, Bucks season was a failure, but there are lessons. There's definitely lessons learned there. That roster wasn't nearly as good enough. Very, very top heavy. Pelicans learn their lessons too, and we've talked about a lot of what those are, and hopefully they're learning more lessons in the postseason from these other teams right now. And let me know what you think the biggest lesson to be learned is. Is it one of the three I said, or is it one from another team that you've been watching in the NBA? And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with y'all tomorrow to talk a little bit load management.